Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Let me welcome you this morning to a new year. As 2022 unfolds, we have great plans and expectations for what God will do in and through us individually and in and through this church corporately as we carry out the Great Commission. It is our aim, it's our intention to take steps of faith that we'll trust the Lord, that we will grow in grace and help others to come to know Christ and grow in grace this year. This is part of who we are, our five distinctives. And one of these distinctives is that we make disciples purposefully. This is our commitment. This is who we are. And if we're going to do this, then it brings us to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And today we'll be in verses 1 through 15. And Moses' desire for the people of God My desire as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, is for the blessing of God's people, is that you would live, that you would dwell in God's blessing. So I'm committed to that. Mark Dever gives to us the definition of discipleship, and he says, doing deliberate spiritual good to help others follow Christ. Doing deliberate spiritual good to help others follow Christ is that whatever we do, we're intentional about helping others to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we know God, that we know his word, and then we respond and we live in obedience to him. So as we loved ones learn and grow in our love and obedience, then we cannot help but see to it that others come to know Christ and that they grow in grace. Now, Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, part of the Pentateuch, it's a significant transitional book. Moses' final words to God's people, the children of Israel, are here in this book. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find the clearest description of how one generation hands the faith along to the next generation, of how one generation influences the next generation who influences the next generation most effectively for the Lord. Deuteronomy is a collection of three sermons at the end of Moses' life. Moses, in this book, declared the terms of the covenant, the promises of blessing, the promise of cursing if Israel would forsake their covenant with Yahweh. There's a clear theme in Deuteronomy, and it is this that Israel must love the Lord by obeying his commands in order to enjoy the covenant blessings of life and prosperity in the promised land. God was in the process of fulfilling his word, his promised word to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The children of Israel had been forgotten, it seemed like, in Egypt for 400 years, but the Lord had not forgotten them. And he sent Moses to deliver them. 
Paul the Apostle writes in the New Testament, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. He tells us here in this verse that the Old Testament is not written to us, but that the Old Testament is written for us. Paul writes, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. What did Paul want for the church at Rome? For every church that he planted, what do I want for our church here at Grace? Is that you may have hope, every person under the sound of my voice, that no matter what 2022 brings, no matter how good or how difficult 2021 was, that you have hope. And the only way for us to have this hope is that we look into the Word of God and we learn. We listen and we learn and we take refuge in our God. Follow along in your Bibles, Deuteronomy 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. The Word of God says this, Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God. You shall fear him. Him you shall serve. And by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. 
lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and you be destroyed from off the face of the earth. This is the word of God. This morning, as we look back into this Old Testament account, we want to learn from those who have gone before us. How do we respond to the word of the living God? How do we respond to this God? And there are three responses that we want to draw from this text, though there are many more. We could spend a long time in these 15 verses and not plumb the depths of them. But this morning, three responses for us to abide in God's blessing. Moses here delivered God's commandment, the statutes and the rules, so that the people of God would know God, they would know his character, that they would walk in fellowship with him, that they, the children of Israel, would experience his provision and his protection, and that they would be used to bring his gospel of peace to all peoples. Other nations around Israel should have said, who is your God? Can we enter into his service? Can we enter into a covenant with him? Can we serve him? Can we worship him? Because your God is different. If only they would have listened to Moses. If only they would have listened to God's word. So what are three responses? Number one, fear the Lord. We see this in the first three verses. The Hebrew word is yare, and it's a word that describes terror or reverence or awe. This fear is a fear that is supreme, and it drives out all other fears. Show me a society with little to no fear of God, And there you will find a society that is abounding in unfaithfulness, deception, selfishness, moral depravity of all types, high murder rates, and abuses that are seemingly without end. That might describe our evening news. Psalm 19 and verse 9, the psalmist says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Proverbs 9 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Begins there. Abraham, when he was traveling, he recognized the implications of a nation that did not fear the Lord, and and he was afraid. And when he got into the presence of King Abimelech, he had made a deal with Sarah, let's lie, let's let's just tell them you're my sister because they have no fear of God. They're going to kill me. They see how beautiful you are. But Abraham's problem was that he feared King Abimelech more than he feared God. Genesis 20, 11 Abraham said when he was asked, why did you lie? I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Psalm 96 verse 4, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 36 1 
Listen, the person who does not have a fear of God is dangerous to himself. They do destruction to themselves and they're dangerous to others. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Don't fear them. They're motivated by hate. They're motivated by evil. They're motivated by lust. Don't be afraid of them. Rather, Jesus says, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear the one who is motivated by love. Fear the one who is motivated by righteousness. Fear the Lord. Loved ones, the fear of the Lord is commanded. Moses didn't give this as an option. He gave this as a command. What does it mean to possess the fear of the Lord? What does it mean? It means that we hold in high regard, in great esteem for our God. And Moses moves through this passage, and this command is personal. It's commanded. It's a personal command. He says, the Lord, and that's Yahweh, your God, Elohim. Your God. This is for you. He's speaking directly to the Israelites. He's saying, This is for you. This God wants to know you, is entering into a relationship of covenant with you. Think about that. This is for your children. It's not just for you, it's for future generations. And this command is for all peoples. Down in verse 14. When the Lord says through Moses, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. Don't be overcome by evil, Israel. Overcome evil with good. This is for you. This is personal. This is for your children and your children's children. And this is for all peoples. It doesn't stop with us. We're to make disciples purposefully everywhere. In our families and to the uttermost part, of the earth. This command is perpetual, and Moses says, This is for all the days of your life. This isn't something that you say and it's done, it's over with. This is something for all of life. This is a personal command, and this is a per- command that is perpetual. Loved ones, the fear of the Lord is displayed through our obedience. That we're to remember the Lord. We're to remember who he is. We're to remember all that he has done. We're to remember his commands so that we might obey them. Psalm 78, verse 7, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Do you see how that goes together? Our hope is in God. Don't forget the works of God. Don't forget what he has done. Don't forget his faithfulness. Don't forget his judgments. But keep his commandments. God graciously revealed his commands, his word to his people. If he had not revealed himself to us, we wouldn't know him. So God rightly expects his people to keep his commands. And loved ones, if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, you belong to him. You are part of his family, part of God's people. 
been purchased with the blood of his dear son. The apostle John, he taught this truth so clearly in 1 John 2 and verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Do you keep his commandments? Whoever says, oh, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, John says by the Holy Spirit, that person is a liar and the truth is not in him. Do you love him? Do you keep his commandments? Do you fear the Lord? There was a time when I was in college and we were house-sitting for someone. and It was a doctor's house. It was a beautiful home. And there came with instructions, here's what you should do, here's what needs to be taken care of, while the doctor and his family were as, was away. It's a beautiful house. I loved being there. But he didn't adopt me into his family. I didn't take up residence as if that was the place where it was now mine because I was there dwelling in his house. There was a time for him to come home and everybody get out. It's not your house and you're not part of my family. That fits. That's appropriate. It wasn't my house and I wasn't part of his family. But think about what God and Christ has done for his people, that he came to earth and he lived the life that we could never live. He died the death that I deserve to die so that he could not just let me house it, but that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever that he could redeem me and adopt me. Shouldn't that cause me to fear the Lord rightly? Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. There's obedience. But loved ones, the fear of God is loaded with promise. God blesses the obedience of his children as he sees fit to bless them. Most vividly, he blesses us with his presence. I'm not talking about the presence that were underneath the tree. I'm talking about with himself, his presence. God's children, think about this now. If you know Christ, if you are in Christ, then you have God himself. This will never be lost, this relationship. As I've said so many times, it's the only relationship that we can totally trust and never lose. We will never be lost. So if I am not satisfied with God, then nothing else will satisfy me. If you are not satisfied in God alone, in Christ alone, then nothing else will satisfy you ultimately. We will lose our health. We will lose loved ones. We will lose all of the things that God has blessed us with. But for a believer, we will never lose God. We are kept, as we just studied in Jude's letter. Now, Israel, they were under the old covenant in the Old Testament, and they were promised God's blessing. The, we need to be clear about this. This was to Israel. This is not written to us. This is written for us. It's not written to us. But God promised Israel, just like he took care of them in the wilderness. 
He promised them longevity, that your days may be long. He promised them prosperity, that it may go well with you, Israel. He promised them abundance in their family, that you may multiply greatly. And he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a land, a land flowing with milk and honey. They didn't keep the covenant. They were unfaithful. And the Lord kept covenant, which is what you see in the Old Testament of his judgment that would come. We are under a new covenant, loved ones. And we as Gentiles, we've been grafted into this family. We've been made part of God's kingdom. So when we read this, this is not a guarantee of universal earthly blessing of health, wealth, and prosperity, but it's a promise that will abide and one day forever be fulfilled in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us. So we hold tightly to the promises of God and we trust him with the ultimate outcome. Oh, loved ones, may we fear the Lord. Secondly, if we're gonna live in God's blessing, then we need to love the Lord it's far more significant than just reciting a creed or just making a profession of faith or praying a prayer. This is a relationship that was rooted and grounded and overflowing with love. The living creator God, Yahweh, Jehovah, he loved Israel. What is the only fitting response was for Israel to love the Lord? It's for us to love this God in return. Why? Well, first of all, because he's the one true God. He's the living God. There's no other God beside Yahweh. Deuteronomy 4, verse 39, uh, just before, a couple chapters before here in Deuteronomy, know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven, above and on earth, beneath, there is no other. He's the one true God. In totality, we are to love the Lord with our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. This requires intentionality. It simply means with all that I am and with all that I have, I want to love the Lord. I need to respond in love to the Lord in totality. Does that describe how you love the Lord? Now, none of, us, none of us love God in the way that we should, but it's our heart's desire as believers, and we make adjustments in our lives and in our schedules and in our finances to demonstrate in totality with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might, we love the Lord. He's the one true God. We are to love the Lord in totality. We're to love the Lord by treasuring God's word yourself, by you, by, by me, by us treasuring God's word. And this requires authenticity. Moses says in these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This does not happen automatically. Everything will be against you and me. Everything will, will fight against us to treasure God's word. 
We'll get around to God's word. Well, later in the day, I'm busy, I'm here, I'm there. I've got this on the Lord's day, I've got to go there. Other things, so many things will pull away and distract us from treasuring God's word. So we've said it before, and I'll repeat it again. How do we have a good grasp on God's word? We read his word, we meditate on God's word, we memorize God's word. We study God's word, we hear God's word, we share his word with others because we love God's word. God's word changes us. So this is true for us. These shall be on your heart. But this is also true for the next generation and we need to teach the word of God to the next generation. It's the most loving thing that we can do. And this requires diligence, and this requires tenacity. I can't tell you how many times that we have gathered as a family around the Word, and distraction after distraction after distraction happens. It can be internal distractions. It can be external distractions. If we're going to teach God's Word to the next generation in our homes and in the congregation, it will not happen by chance. It will only happen by us giving it our full attention priority. Moses says, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, this is describing life. This is when you're on your way to the store, and when you're coming back, and when you're taking kids to school, and when you're coming back, and when you're going on vacation, and when you're coming home, and when you're putting the kids to bed, and when you're getting them up in the morning. This is how we pass the faith along to the next generation. And technology in and of itself is not a bad thing. But how we use, how we leverage the technology makes the difference. That when we're in the car, when we're in our homes, are we isolated and pulling away or are we leveraging technology to help us, which is why we're going through the New City Catechism this year. You, there's a way of technology that can help you pass the faith along, teach God's word to the next generation. Oh, may we do so. Moses, the man of God, was responsible to teach God's people the word, the commands of God, and we, loved ones, are responsible to teach the next generation the words, the commands of God. Oh, may we love the Lord by also taking God's word with us. Take the word of God with you wherever you go. Now, if I'm going to take the word of God with me, it, re it means I'm going to have to do what we just said. I'm going to have to read it. Memorize it, meditate on it, apply it in my life. And Moses says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. The Israelites took this literally. So they put phylacteries on, on, their, on their body. They put copies of the word of God. They put it on their, on their hands. They put it between their eyes. But that is not the end of the deal. You can wear jewelry, you can wear bracelets, but that doesn't finish the task. It will not produce mission accomplished for our discipleship, but it is helpful. We take the word of God with us wherever we go, but it's to be in our heart, not just externally, but internally. And we also are to love the Lord our God. And this is expressed through our interior an exterior design, and I find this interesting, that even the place where we live, 
our house, your apartment, your dorm room, wherever you are, can also proclaim your love and your faith in God. So the Israelites took this to heart, and they posted on the door jam going throughout their homes copies of the law of God. If you ever visit the Holocaust Museum, you will see this literally done in the archways of the doors there. They'll explain that. But can I just ask you the question, when someone delivers a package to your house, when a repairman comes in your home, is there anything in your home that sets up and promotes conversation? Where people might say, hmm, something seems different, and I read a scripture, or I read something, or I see something that prompts conversation that these people are different. Something different about them. It's just tools. Tools simply to be reminders and encouragement for fearing and loving God. And thirdly, loved ones, let us not only fear the Lord and love the Lord, but let us always remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. We are most tempted to forget the Lord when we become isolated from his people. That's been a significant challenge, not just for our church, but as I talk with pastors and I listen to podcasts and read articles, this has challenged the church around the globe. That people are isolated. That our missionaries who are planting churches, their churches are struggling because it's, it's so difficult to minister to people who will not gather. Loved ones, we cannot live, you cannot live without worshiping and walking and working together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's who we are and it is what we are redeemed for. So remember the Lord when you're tempted and in verses 10 and 11, we see the areas that the children of Israel would be tempted when they would be delivered into the promised land. And Moses says, watch out now, pay attention. You're going to be tempted and you need to remember the Lord when you're tempted to forget the grace of the God who gives. You're going to be tempted. You're going to have all these blessings. You're going to have all these, the homes provided and your well was already dug and the storage of water and your vineyards were planted. There's just an abundance and you just have it all. Like my generation growing up from the generation prior that worked so hard and went through times of not having. And so my generation grew up pretty much feeling entitled and the next generation has grown up extremely entitled thinking it, it just, I have to have it or I won't live. I can't survive without it. And Moses is warning them, you're going to forget. You're going to forget the giver. You're going to focus on the gifts. And you're going to view them as your possessions and your rights. And you're going to start to live in an unthankful and an ungrateful way. Oh, how true this is. For all generations. That we would remember the Lord. And not forget the grace of of the God who gives grace. He didn't owe them this promised land. He didn't owe them 
the houses that he provided for them and all of the good things. Why did he do that for them? Out of righteousness and love. The faithfulness of God poured out blessings upon his people. Can't we just stop and think for a moment? Hasn't God been good to us? Hasn't God been good to you? Do you deserve, do I deserve the blessings the Lord has given to me? No. And when am I tempted to complain and to grumble and to murmur and to fuss? It's when I forget the goodness of God. When I think God owes me anything. When I view anything going wrong as, God, you let down your end of the deal. You have failed me. You owe me. It's upside down. It's backwards. Remember the Lord whenever you're tempted not only to forget his grace, but also to forget the power of the God who delivers And Moses reminds them, the Lord delivered you. It was actually the previous generation the Lord delivered out of Pharaoh's grasp in Egypt. And this was just a foretaste of a greater deliverance that Christ, the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a descendant of David, that Jesus Messiah would bring, not just for Israelites, but for all peoples through the cross and his resurrection. Now Israel would forget their God, and in time they would fall into repeated cycles of idolatry. As you read the book of Judges, it's just a downward spiral. And like them, loved ones, we too can be tempted to forget Christ and do the exact same. So at the outset of this new year, I'm encouraging all of us to take inventory, to stop for a moment and take inventory of our lives. Has the Lord Jesus Christ delivered you from sin? Has he adopted you into his family? Do you love the Lord your God? Then let's look at our schedules. What should our schedules look like as followers of Jesus Christ? Let's look at our giving. What should our giving look like as a follower of Jesus Christ? Let's look at how I'm serving and what should my serving be in response to how good God is, knowing that I love him and he loves me and I simply have everything to offer to him. It's all his. Why? Because he delivered me. If you're in Christ, he's delivered you. Remember the Lord, loved ones, when letters see, when you're tempted to forget the presence of God. The presence of God. And you're tempted to just simply conform to the culture around you. Don't forget, if you belong to Christ, that the spirit of Christ dwells in you and you are sanctified, you are set apart, You are different than everyone around you. You are a pilgrim here on this planet, and you are a special people. Don't forget his presence. God yearns to be with his people. Uh, Moses here says that God is a jealous God, and that is that it's not in the sense that we're jealous or, or covetous of something that isn't ours. 
He is jealous in the righteous sense of a husband's love for a wife or a wife, a love for a husband that, that you, are, you are to me only. And so I would defend against anything that would come against or in between the love that I have for my wife. There's a righteous jealousy there, a protection, a love. And this is what God has for his people. You're my people. He longed to be with his people, and sin always ruins relationships. It happened in the Garden of Eden, and it happened out, down through the history of Israel. But Christ Jesus came. He came to make a way for sinners to be reconciled to God. Do you know this is the, actually the verse where Oprah Winfrey out and abandoned her faith that she professed to have as a Christian growing up as a Christian. She misunderstood this text completely. She doesn't know the God of the Bible. And so we pray for those who misunderstand the love that God has for his people. They don't know his love, and therefore they can subscribe to every wind of doctrine, every shade of teaching that comes. Loved ones, if and when we forget the presence of the living God in our lives, then we fall into the temptation to serve self instead of serving God. We start sounding like, what do I want? Where do I want to go? What do we want? What do I want for my kids? What do they want? And, and we miss something very important instead of, what does God want? What should we do? What would please the Lord? Not because we have to, but because we want to and we love him and he loves us. And then we would be tempted to serve idols like everybody else around us. So may God remind us today and always of his presence in our lives and our future dwelling with him that we are ready for that day. As Paul would write to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So what is the right response to that truth? Paul says, so glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your schedule. Glorify God in your finances. Glorify God in how you plan. And you think about what is coming, the day that is coming, Revelation 21. And what does John the apostle write? Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That's what he planned for all along, is to be with his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Amen to that. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain, nor COVID nor any, nothing of that anymore for the former things have passed away. Don't we long for that day to be with Christ more than we just don't have to deal with suffering and pain, but to be with Christ. So loved ones, let's remember the Lord whenever we're tempted lastly to ignore the righteous judgment of the Lord. 
You see, Israel was warned here in verse 15 of God's severe punishment that would come if they were to break covenant. True justice demands a punishment that fits the crime. So we think about this in the sense of if, if you tell a lie to your child, then what are the consequences? If you tell a, a lie to your spouse, what are the consequences? If you tell a lie to your boss, what are the consequences? If you tell a lie to a police officer, what are the consequences? If you tell a lie to the IRS, what are the consequences? If you tell a lie to God, what are the consequences? Acts 5, you can ask Ananias and Sapphira about that. See, the, the judgment is to fit what was done wrong, the offense. There's corresponding consequences. If this God, the true God, the living God, was entering into a covenant with these people and they didn't do anything to deserve this and he was going to provide for everything for them and protect them and be with them, then there are terms to this covenant. There are terms to them being able to dwell together. So Moses warned God's people. He warned them clearly. This is my responsibility as a pastor. It's your responsibility with the next generations to warn clearly, tenderly, firmly, lovingly. You have to know our Bibles. It's the message of the entire scripture that God is holy and God is just. Therefore, he must, must punish sin. How have you responded to this God? How will you respond to this sermon? It's a somber note that Moses closes on in this section, warning them of a coming judgment in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we see the warning. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Oh, this day is coming, loved ones. Are you ready? Are your loved ones ready to stand before, to meet this God? This God who is loving, but this God who is just. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. This is the two outcomes, and it all hinges on how have you responded to Jesus Christ. Either eternal punishment, you will perish, or everlasting life. So whenever I'm asked to officiate a funeral, it really boils down to at the point for those who are living that we're reminded of four truths. Life, life is fleeting. It's brief. Death is certain. Judgment is severe. But there's the opportunity for faith. And this is where the, the message is given. And there's hope that someone listening, hearing the message, will take inventory of their life. And they'll evaluate, where am I with God? That the people would hear the warning. They were under, in Moses' day, were to respond appropriately. And as you and I hear this message today, this message is for me as much as it is for you that we hear the word of the Lord, we understand the word of the Lord, and we respond in obedience to the Lord. So loved ones, if we're gonna abide in God's blessing, and that's absolutely what I want for you, that's what I want 
for my family. That's what I want for your family. That's what I want for our church family. That's what I want for our community and for the world to know God and live and dwell in his blessing. Then here it is. We need to fear the Lord. We need to love the Lord. And we need to remember the Lord again in the face of all temptation. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. How do you need to respond to this message? I pray that God will give you the humility and the strength to do so today, right away, and live in his blessing. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the examples that we can learn from the Old Testament and the New Testament. We can learn from the successes and we can learn from the failures of those who have gone before us. But most importantly, let us fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. Let us look to Christ. And I pray, God, that you will save those today who do not know you as Lord and Savior and that you will strengthen all who belong to you, that we will resolve that by your grace and by the power of your spirit, we will fear the Lord and we will love the Lord and we will together in the people of God in this community of faith, we will remember the Lord for you are good and your mercy endures forever. In the great and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.